does and we can participate with what he does in our lives. And so one of the things that I think is a huge, huge, huge block for people is feeling either, they feeling, I guess the, the feeling would be, I, I feel like I'm sinful or I feel like I never measure up or I feel like I'm, I'm just not good. I had a friend of mine that I've known for years and we were talking on the phone and, and so he said to me, well, he said this first scripture that I want to look at. He says, my heart is more deceitful than all else and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? And he says, how can I expect to change if, if my heart's sick? And I said, your heart's not sick. I said, if you know Jesus Christ, you have a new heart. He says, your heart's not sick. And we have to understand that. And here's, here, here is this view of, of man, total depravity, total, you know, bad, evil, rotten, crummy. And we get that from other scriptures too. For Like, for example, on Genesis 6, 5, God sent the flood. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent and thoughts of his heart were only on evil continually. And so there's this idea, oh, my heart's bad. Oh, the hearts of the people are wicked. And it says, for out of the heart, this is in Matthew 15, 19. It says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and slanderers. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. So when we truly believe that once we come to Christ that, that we have an evil heart, then we have a distorted view of us. We have a distorted view of what God's done for us because of the word of God. I'm going to show you in the word of God, and that's the whole point. Setting this up, uh, God, for example, in Genesis 6, 8, so here, here we just read this verse. Every, everyone's evil. Everything's terrible. Everyone's rotten. Everything's bad. We're going to just bring destruction. And then it says in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. God considered him to be a righteous man. God considered him to be one that had a heart after himself. And so he, he called Noah and he spoke to him and he told him to proclaim he actually told them to preach to the people. And for 125 years as they were building the ark and all the things that were involved in that, he preached the good news. He preached that God wanted to save them and God wanted to, to deliver them and that this flood was coming, but people laughed at him and mocked him and did all these things. But you see, even in the midst of what, what is the darkest, God has people that are his. And the Old Testament's a little different than the New Testament because in the, in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit that actually lives and dwells in us and makes a difference in who we are. And so the question I always have is, do you know who you are? And if we really start grabbing a hold of this and start understanding it, it will change the way that we think of ourselves. It will change the way that we actually live because we can only live according to what we understand to be truth. When we understand the truth from the word of God, we're to walk in that because that's God's word and it's his truth about who we are. 
So the first thing that, that I want to talk about in, in us as people of God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, then you are a new cre creation. You are a new creation. And so it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Would be a better kind of a, kind of a concept. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So what is this talking about? What is this new creation? This actually speaks of something that's like, that like the, the world when God created it out of nothing. God said, let there be light, and it existed. It didn't exist before that, but it existed when he spoke. And as he spoke, it was a new creation. It was something that never was. And that's what this word means. It means something that's new that never existed before. And so when we come to God and we're dead in our trespasses and sins like the scripture says before we come to him, when we come to God, what happens is inside of us, we're made new. There's God creating a fresh and a new. You know, there's a, there's a, a couple of pictures of God creating life. And one of them is when he took, remember, he took the clay and molded it out, molded the form of a man, and it says he, he breathed life into Adam, and he became a living being, a living person. And then, you know, when after Jesus rose from the dead, he came upon the disciples, and he did the same thing. He said, he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's when they were created new on the inside. They were believers already, but there's something about being born again, like the scripture says, that we are actually turned into a new creature in Christ. But the thing that gets us is that we look the same Sometimes we act the same, we feel the same and maybe different, you know, going back and forth, but we look in the mirror and we see, our, we see ourselves, but there is something absolutely recreated or a new creation within us. It's not even recreated. It is new. It is fresh. It is alive. And so God's the one who said uh, he was going to bring a new covenant he told this to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 31, verse 31. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I'm going to make a new covenant. And that's what we talk about, the New Testament, the new covenant, where God has changed things from the old covenant where the law used to be, you know, put upon a stone and, and it was just written and we were to live by that. Now through, the, through Jesus Christ, there's a new covenant through the shedding of his blood. There's a new covenant that comes to us and it's powerful. And here's what he says in verse 33. He says, but this is the covenant 
which I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And so God is, is giving us a new heart, and he's writing his law on it. God never totally destroyed the law. He fulfilled it. And then he carried it over. He wrote his law, his life-giving law into our hearts. And it's something that is a, it's a personal thing and it's an intimate thing and it's a powerful thing. And here's what I love too is in Ezekiel uh, chapter uh, 36 verses 26 and 27. Here's what God says. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. Now I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. God says there's something totally different about this new covenant. It's going to bring about new things, a new creation, a new heart, new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting, a new way of living. It's something that is powerful from God himself. He says, I am going to do this. And he gives us this new heart. And so then I guess the really good question is, well then, why, why do I have evil thoughts? Then why do sometimes I, why do I sin? Why do I do things that I don't want to do? And we don't have time for this today, but if you read Romans chapter 7, you'll find out. Here's what Paul says. This is Paul's argument in chapter 7. He says, God's, God's law says this, and I agree with it 100%, but I don't do it. And he says, when I agree with it in my whole heart and I want to do this thing, he says, it's no longer me doing it, but sin that's within me. And to understand that what the scripture says is there's an old man, we have to reckon him dead and just totally, absolutely say, this is gone, I'm a new creature in Christ. I can walk in the newness of life. I will walk in the newness of life. But one of the problems is, is that it's so easy to go by feelings. But I feel this i can't remember who said this but i was i was reading a book and and um i think i think it was john bevere but don't don't quote me on that but i think he he was talking to his wife they had just gotten married and he says i i don't feel married she said well you better get over that right now because you're married you know and uh so feelings are not who we are. Feelings are not an expression of truth and reality always because our feelings can mislead us. So when we have feelings that go against what the word of God says about us, well, I just don't feel, I don't feel like I'm, like I'm a child of God. I don't really feel loved. I don't really feel whatever experience that the word of God says. I don't feel it. That's why it says we walk by faith and we begin to put our trust in what God says and begin to step out and do those things that, that he asks us to do. That's what happens many times. 
is that we allow feelings to rule our heart. And when feelings rule our heart, we'll always be overwhelmed. Because I'm not sure if this happens to you like it happens to me. So one day I can wake up, wahoo, ready to roll. My hair's on fire, going crazy. Next day I can wake up and go like, oh man, what? This feels like a bummer of a day. I wish I could just go back to bed. And so you have different feelings. Some days you're just on top of it and some days you're not. Some days you're just fired up and, and you know, emotions pretty much can go like this. They're, they're, they're up and down and they're movable. But the thing is, is the reality of who we are in Christ is stable and it is absolutely unchanging. We don't change from being a child of God because we don't feel like it. We, we don't. We're absolutely able to continue on in the truth of who we are. So here's the other thing. Do you know who's in you? Do you know who's in you? Because this really is the absolutely best because the Spirit of God is in us. When we're, when we're believers in Christ, it says we're born again, and who does that? The Holy Spirit comes in. Who makes us a new creation? It's the Holy Spirit that comes in and does something, makes, us, makes our spirits alive, gives us connection with God, makes us, uh, leads us and guides us and teaches us all things. He is the one who does this. And so we are born again by the Spirit. And that's what, what Peter says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are some foundational truths that are absolutely unmovable, unshakable. They are historical. They are accurate. And they never change. First of all, Jesus Christ came to the earth because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his son, and Jesus so loved us that he came. See, God's love is proven. It's proven. We don't have to question his love because he's already shown it in sending Jesus. God loves us with an everlasting love. It doesn't change. It doesn't go up or down. It remains stable because he is stable. And so his love for us is, is never in question. You never have to wonder, God, do you love me? Now, sometimes, again, we don't feel like it, but God, do you, real, do you love me? He proved it. And then the power of the resurrection of Jesus, when he died on that cross, he died a, a death for all of us. He paid the penalty for all of us. He was smitten. He was stricken. He was, he was abused for us, that will never change. Jesus bore our sins upon the cross. He took everything upon himself so that we could be set free, so that we could have a relationship with God. But you know, the scripture says that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, there had to be a resurrection. 
And Jesus rose again from the dead. That's unchangeable. That will never change. It says he rose again from the dead and he lives forevermore. And so that will never change. He's alive, he's well, and he's for us. And he's interceding for us. He's our great high priest. And so we can count absolutely on being born again to a living hope because of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus, because his resurrection proved who he was. His resurrection proved that he was the Son of God. God vindicated him and said death could not hold him because he had never sinned. And so there's this resurrection life, and we have proof. We have, we have solid proof of the love of God. We have solid proof of his heart towards us. And then the great thing, too, is about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us, dwells within us. It's an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells within you? That we are temples. His Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit of the living God is in us and is able to help us. And this scripture I know I say some of these scriptures over and over again over a period of time because these are ones I think that are really foundational for us. Peter says this. Um, he says, seeing that his divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. But it says that we are partakers of the divine nature. We have the very life of God dwelling within us to help us, to guide us, to give us strength, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, give us knowledge. The Holy Spirit is with us to give us the ability to not only have communion with God and relationship with God, but to walk in this world and to walk in a way that would glorify God. So Jesus was our example of a man submitted to God, a human being who yielded himself to the will of God and only did the will of the Father and chose to submit himself. And it's the same thing for us. It's the same thing that God has given us the ability to do we are partakers of his divine nature, and so we are overcomers through Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't struggle. That doesn't mean, I mean, Jesus struggled. Just read about some of the things. He had to go through temptation in the wilderness by the devil. He had people hating his guts. I mean, they hated him. They were trying to constantly, trying to kill him. But you remember in the Gospel of John, he says, my hour's not yet come. They're picking stones up. And they're going to kill him. My hour's not yet come. And somehow he gets out. 
They're going to throw them off a cliff. My hour's not yet come. And so there's persecution and there's resistance and there's fighting and there's battles that are going on. He has spiritual battles with the enemy. He has battles with physical people who are standing against him. And so because, because we have the Holy Spirit within us doesn't mean we're not going to face things. Doesn't mean there's not going to be difficult times. Doesn't mean that we're not in, in a spiritual battle and even... Uh, having people that resist us or stand against us in, that are in the world because they don't like Jesus and they don't like the, the, the gospel just like they didn't like Jesus when he was here. And so we, we don't want to say that, oh, the Holy Spirit's in us, so now we don't have any troubles. We don't have any struggles. But one thing I, I, I do know is that when we talk about this struggle, this, this idea of this inner struggle that goes on with, with the old man. We don't fight the old man. We're not supposed to fight the old man. We're to consider the old man dead. I died with Christ. I died when I came to Jesus. I died when I put my trust in him. I'm a new creation. I've been almost like internally not resurrected from the dead, but a new creation. So there's something new and something different. And to reckon myself dead to sin, but alive to God. And that's what the scripture encourages us to do. To these things that, that come against us is to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's within us to help us, to empower us, to live the life that God has for us. And that makes it just so wonderful. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So we see that the Holy Spirit's living in us. There's, there's this the, the, the presence of God. Everything that we have for life and godliness dwells within us because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. He has equipped us and he has given us this. And then the Holy Spirit gives us power to do the work that God asks us to do, to do the ministry that he's called us to do, is to bring the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ to the world. And so he gives us this ability and he, he does it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. And of course, we know Jesus said, Spirit of the Lord's on me because he's anointed me to do these works. And then he began to speak the things that he was going to do, set the captives free, preach the good news, re recovery of sight to the blind. And he began to speak all of those things. But he says, the Spirit's upon me so that I can do these things. There's an empowering that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And the whole thing about the Christian walk is it's done by faith. It's always done by faith. Faith, faith isn't a feeling. Faith is trust in a person. Faith is not a feeling. Like if I'm really bold, it doesn't mean I'm full of faith. 
because you can be presumptuous. But faith actually is placing trust in a person, in who they are and what they've said. And like we looked at that passage in in 2 Peter, it talks about all the precious promises that God has given us. And we, how do we grab hold of those? It's through faith. It's through trusting in what he said, trusting in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished on our behalf. Faith is that kind of just moving towards the things that God has said through Jesus. So then, not going to read these next passages, but Josh, you can flip them up there if you want. Next thing is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just want to say this, this is the, the, the character and the quality of life that comes through the Spirit. When it says fruit of the Spirit, that means the Spirit's working in us and that we're learning and cooperating and yielding. Our position in, in the fruit of the Spirit is to yield and to surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to flow through our lives towards others. It's a, it's a powerful statement. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever um, said, I, I need to do this, I need to be more patient, I need to be more kind, I need to be this, I need to be that? And then we try and do it on our own. And if it's not natural to us, it's really hard. (laughs) It's very, very difficult because depending on our nature. Now, some people are just naturally kind. I remember we had this one guy when very, well, the second church that I ever went to, this was way back when I was in Bible college. So it was so many years ago. There's a guy named Noel Campbell and and he was, he was such a nice guy, and I wasn't. When I got, first got saved, I wasn't even close. If you think I'm nice now, I'm, I'm, I hope so. But, I, you know, and if you don't think I'm nice, you should have seen me then. No doubt. And uh, because of just what was in me, the, um, I was... I was uh, angry, and I was um, had a spirit of murder in me that ended up coming out many years later. I didn't realize it then. But I was this kind of a person, and this man was the nicest person you could ever imagine. And I just look at him and I go, that's fake. You can't be that nice. No one can be that nice because, of course, I'm, you know, I'm this kind of a person. So who could ever be that nice? Well, he was just amazing. He was an amazing, amazing person. But you think his kindness just wasn't because he was kind, but also because of the Holy Spirit, because he was a believer and had known the Lord for many years. He was a pastor and and God had, had worked in his life. But there are people who, who are kind, and that's their nature. 
And then the Holy Spirit comes in and strengthens that and bolsters that because the fruit of the Spirit is, is from the Spirit. But sometimes when we try to do things and not recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives and allow him to, to start working in us the things that need to be worked, then we try in our own ability and we fail over and over again. And it's like Paul said, you know, I do the very thing I don't want to do. And what God wants to do is help us. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. That's why we have the Holy Spirit, to work in us, to bring his life and character of, of God. Because after all, Jesus said that what God wants to do is, is really to make us like him. When, when Jesus says to the disciples, follow me, he's calling them to become like him. See, the mindset of a Jewish person back in those days, you joined yourself uh, to a rabbi because you wanted to become like them. Not just to become learned like them, but to become like them in their character, in the way they operate, in the way they move. Jesus did it opposite. He did it totally opposite of the way. I find a, I find a rabbi and I connect myself to them. Jesus said, follow me. And when he said, follow me, he meant, you, you, you follow me where I go, but in the process, you're going to become like me. And then we know Paul says this, is that from glory to glory, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. In other words, our character and the way that we think and the way that we act, all are being changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit in our lives, just moment by moment, decision by decision, yielding to him, we become more like Jesus. And that's incredible and amazing and something that God wants to do. But then not only that, God gives us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nine of them listed in the passage that's there. Josh can maybe flip through that too. And you can just kind of read through it and look at it because I think we know what they are pretty much. But he gives us, he gives us the gifts of the Spirit because we have no power. We have no power. None. We have some, but you know what I'm saying? As far as to accomplish the purposes of God, the things of God. I have no true wisdom apart from God. I have no true knowledge apart from God. I have no ability whatsoever to heal the sick, to do a miracle, to even discern spirits. Sometimes you can tell easily <laughs> because like when, when a person's like the demoniac or something, that's really noticeable and that's easy to understand. But 
full discernment of the, from the Holy Spirit is something that has to come. And, of course, I can't speak in tongues or interpret tongues. I can't prophesy without God. Well, you can. You can be a false prophet, but a true prophet's prophecy is speaking what God says. You're a mouthpiece for God. That's what prophetic words are about, that you are saying something that God is saying, and you can't do it apart from the Spirit of God. Because it talks about that, too. I think Peter talks about that there's no, no prophecy that's not directed by, by the Spirit of God. It's not the will of men. It's, it's the Spirit of God directing and guiding. So we can't do any of these things, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in our lives. And so here's, here's the thing that when, when we think of ourselves as just weak sinners instead of empowered believers, we never step out. We never grab hold of the promises because we don't feel like we have the strength or the ability. If we think we're unworthy, we don't press in. We don't press in. And I know that from experience. When I first got saved, I had, you know, like said, bad temper, explosive temper, actually. And I'd blow up or something. And then for the next two or three days, I'd go, oh, I'm such a scumbag. I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. I'm so rotten. And I'd hear God say, talk to this person or do this. And I'd go, no, I can't. I'm a dog. Boo, you know. And not even allow the presence of the Lord to flow through my life because of the way I viewed myself or saw who I was or thought who I was. God is wanting us to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I wish I made a list of some things. I just thought of this right now. You know how you do when you're standing here. I wish I made a list of things and that you could mark off in your mind true or false. What you really believe. Things like this. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. God can use me to release a miracle in someone's life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Something like that. Just make a list of some of the different things. I haven't had time to think through those, so I'm not going to do it. But you see what I'm saying? How do we feel? No, I could never do that. I could never pray for the sick and they'd be healed. Oh, I could never uh, give, a, give a word of prophecy. Oh, I could never... And all these things are something that come through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, come through the life of the Holy Spirit in us. It's just us cooperating. It's just us doing what God's asked us to do. And 
the way that we see ourselves affects the way that we allow the Holy Spirit to work through our lives. So, I guess my encouragement is that for each and every one of us is to read the Word of God and believe it. It's for you. And then press in. I wish everything was just given to us on a silver platter in the sense of it just happens. And all I have to do is just walk by and my shadow falls on somebody. They're healed. That's nice. It did happen in Scripture. That's not normative. They healed in a lot of different ways. But there was a time... When that And that could happen again very easily because God can do however he wants. But I, that's the way I wish it worked. Oh, hi. I see you're limping. Can I pray for you? Yeah, okay. Boop. They're done. They go leaping and praising God. Wahoo! Running around the block. Those things can happen and they do happen, but they won't happen unless we press in, unless we actually do it. Believe that God wants to use us and believe that, that we can do it. I want to say this, this doesn't have to be the way it is. This does not have to be the way it is. But almost every single person that I have ever heard give a testimony of how they started getting involved, for example, in healing sick people and seeing results, almost every single one of them prayed, sometimes hundreds of times, before they began to see the flow of it. I have no idea why. I don't have any idea why. But some have prayed hundreds of times and then they begin to see the miracles. Then they begin to see the things. And, and I don't understand that because the word says this, so we need to do it. And I, 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 when I pray for people, I expect them to get healed every time. And I don't always see that. Instant healing or those kind of things. But there's something about pressing in. There's something about believing. There's something about persistence. I don't, you know, Jesus talked about ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. There's something about pursuing the ways of God and they will always, always go against our feelings. It just seems to be that way, that we have to press through our own self, press through what's in our own lives and just continue to move ahead because God said, this is what is reality. And for us to press in for it and believe it. So I want us to stand together. And I want us to read something together that's based on the scriptures that I talked about today. And this is what you can say about yourself 
And this is what I can say about myself on the basis of this. And this, there's not one negative thing here. All right. So are you ready? Let's read this together. I am a holy and righteous child of God, a new creation empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life that glorifies God. I am a partaker of God's divine nature and a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. I have a new nature given by God. I have a new heart that longs for the things of God. And I have been born again to a living hope. I am dead to sin and alive to God. I am empowered to live life by the Spirit of God. I receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit to empower me to be a witness for Jesus Christ and make disciples of all nature nations. I yield myself to the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit manifests in my life. He enables me to love others, to experience His joy and peace. He helps me to be patient and respond to others in kindness. He works his goodness and faithfulness into my life. And through his work in me, I can respond in gentleness and practice self-control. I have the ability through the Spirit of God to build up the church by manifesting his gifts through my life. I can share words of wisdom and knowledge that the Spirit reveals to me. I can prophesy and speak words that God wants to speak to others. I can operate in the gifts of faith and healing and miracles as the Spirit moves in my life. I can speak in tongues and interpret tongues by the same Spirit that dwells in me. I also have the ability to discern spirits, to see if things I am hearing and seeing are from a person, the devil, or God. I have the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in all truth. He will remind me of the things that the word of God teaches and lead me in the paths of righteousness. He is my comforter and helper. My life is wholly dependent upon him. And if I submit myself to him, I will walk in newness of life and freedom. Amen. Well, Lord, we just want to ask that those words, the truth of your word, would be imprinted in our heart so powerfully that you would just, your spirit would rise up within us and help us to see all things as you see them. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see you as you truly are and that you would reveal your glories to us. 
And Lord, that we would each just be able to submit and yield to the Holy Spirit wholly and completely. And Lord, that you would work wonders through your people. That you would work wonders. That you would work the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. That you would work healing and bring forth your glory to this church and Lord, to all that we come in contact with. We're just thankful and we are grateful for your kindness and your goodness in our lives. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, let it be. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Wahoo! Kids are fun, aren't they? Amen. Yeah, um, downstairs, we happen to have a lots of food. So maybe if some of you guys got food last week and stuff and you don't need any, why don't you consider grabbing a hold of a box of food and taking it to someone that you think might need it, that would be blessed by it? Do a neighbor. Um, Suzette, and I, Suzette and I did a bunch around here yesterday. So we found a cu- couple of families that were sitting out there. We gave them some food and some of the apartments down here and to the neighbor next door. And so just, just think of maybe someone you can bless and, and just, you know, hey, we, we have this food that's available and maybe Jesus loves you. Here, have this. Something, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, what? Yeah, maybe. No, say maybe. Come on, you guys. <clears throat> Put it in context. Put it in context. Not maybe Jesus loves you, but say Jesus loves you. All right. You guys are jokers. Have a good day. God bless you guys. <laughs>